0: Today's episode of Women of the Hour is brought to you by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash women. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so do not wait. That's blueapron.com slash women. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. Today's episode is brought to you by Casper, creators of one premium mattress. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Time magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, it's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. That's kind of a cool deal. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. Get fifty dollars towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com/lena and using offer code Lena. When you're a little girl. Adults are always promising that your next stop is where you're going to make friends to last a lifetime. You have to go to kindergarten, that's where you'll make friends. You can't stay home all summer, you need to form relationships, so go to mountain biking camp in New Hampshire, okay Lena? You may not like high school, but these bonds will never die. In college you can really be yourself and meet people who accept that. These are your true friends. Well, ladies and one gentleman, that didn't happen for me. Besides women of the Hour super producer Jenna Weiss Berman, nearly all my bonds, besides some ratty ones formed in preschool, went bump in the night. From ages 6 to 22, I always felt like I was acting in a not very good movie about female friendship, laughing at the right times, getting angry when it seemed appropriate, and offering to give away items of clothing I genuinely did not want to part with. It wasn't until I started my career and met the women I would make girls with that I finally understood everyone else's tales of unbreakable friendship forged in the fire, soldered like steel. For the four titular girls, it was our first major job, and all the trappings of that— interviews, fittings, sudden critical attention on our bodies and lives and politics— turned us from a ragtag gang into a genuine sisterhood. When we walked onto the stage of The View, ahead of our premiere, clutching each other's hands, it wasn't an act. The first girl cast in Girls was Allison Williams. After a months-long search in which I met every eligible bachelorette in Hollywood, Allison appeared one day in the audition room, fresh-faced, chipper, and, I believe, holding a binder. She had a completely different energy than the exhausted hyper-professionals who had been coming and going. She had the same giddy excitement about the possibility of making art, and she was fucking funny. That was more than six years ago, and since then, Allison has been by my side, and Marnie has been by Hannah's. Through ups and downs, thick and thin, deaths and marriages, sickness and health. She's been the kind of friend and colleague you dream of having, talented, prepared, selfless, and self-aware. She's been totally fine with me mocking how often she showers and how well she packs, since we both know it comes from inherent insecurity on my part, and every conflict we've had has been resolved through something I didn't totally understand in earlier friendships, loving and open communication. There aren't enough words, and I'm pretty into words, to express how weird and sad and confusing it is not to be reporting to the set of Girls in April for a seventh season. Like with most breakups and certain haircuts, you know it's right, but that doesn't make it any easier. On the last day of filming ever, Allison and I had a candid talk in the backseat of Brian the Teamster's SUV and reflected on the work we've made, what we thought adulthood would actually look like, and this grand and tearful goodbye. This and all episodes are brought to you by MailChimp. Fourteen million people use MailChimp. Maybe you should too. Who can argue with 14 million people? MailChimp has made so many things in my life possible. The launch of Lenny Letter, this podcast. I love them. We are heading to Hastings on Hudson, New York. I am with Allison Williams and it is the last day that we will ever be shooting the television show girls.
1: As Lena said, I am Allison Williams. I'm not gonna deny that. And I have the same itinerary as Lena. <laughs>
0: Except something happened for you yesterday.
1: Which is that Marnie died.
0: <laughs> she, she didn't die. She died. The way I feel is that she
1: died. I genuinely feel like real loss. Real loss because I I don't get to know what she's up to anymore.
0: Well, you said in your Instagram you were like, she's gone to the place that TV characters go when we don't watch them anymore. Yeah, which it
1: gave me a comforting thought because then I was like, okay, well, everyone in Six Feet Under is there until we watch them die. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no, so they're not there, and I loved them. And then I was like, well, I kind of feel like everyone in the West Wing, Marnie's going to find them,
0: and that made me feel good. She's going to hunt find down C.J. Craig. I mean, oh, my God, she and C.J. Craig are going to be eating lunch every day. I mean, don't you think, like, the whole cast of Happy Days is there, and they're just, like, eating, like, an early bird special and enjoying I, themselves? I sure
1: hope so, and I hope that the Fonz has become, like – a nice uncle to Marnie. Mm-hmm.
0: Do they, do you think they age
1: when they go there? Yeah, their life just continues along. I think they keep living. And then it's possible, like Sex and the City, you can check in on them at a certain point and you kind of catch them midstream and you're like, what have you been up to? But I, it's really weird because it isn't a loss in that like she's not gone. It's not a, spoiler alert, Marnie's not brutally killed. We didn't, <laughs> in the finale. We didn't make
0: a radical choice to brutally kill her in the finale. But she, she's gone
1: gone from my life in a way that no one's been in my life for that long period other than my family members and longtime friends like even my husband I met after I had played Marnie already for I always pilot. say
0: that Hannah's like my longest relationship yeah and mine ended last night
1: <laughs> yours ended and I had so much notice <laughs> I understand why it had to happen it was necessarily mutual I knew it was coming for a long time And I was completely caught off guard by it. And I'm such an over-preparer.
0: And you are such an over-preparer, which is why there was something about... I mean, I'm going to give a spoiler, which is Allison cried, and she didn't just (laughs) cry a little bit, she cried a lot. Yeah. And that's not... Like, I was at your wedding, you're not like a weeper. You're like a one elegant tear. I will say I wept... On
1: multiple occasions throughout the wedding day, but by the time I got to the actual ceremony, I didn't have the ability to produce any more tears because, as you said yesterday, I don't drink water. I can't stand it.
0: Literally, it was my biggest thing to her as she was leaving. As I said, I was like, "I need you to drink water. I'm not going to be here every day <laughs> to tell you to drink water. How <laughs> to hydrate, kid?" Can I ask? Because you've always, over the years, something that I love about you as an actor is, like, you've been a fierce protector of your character. You've asked questions. You've pushed back because you've wanted to protect who she is and the arc she's taken. And I wanted to know about, like, sort of your history of feeling connected to her, feeling like you were in battle with her, feeling like you were protecting her, feeling like you hated her, feeling like you didn't want to be here in that moment. Like, who has she been to you over those six years, and what has that, like, range of emotions been? Okay. Well... When I met Marnie,
1: we were only a couple of shades apart. We were pretty similar on some fundamental levels. At that point, I too loved to recreationally judge <laughs> and dispatch wisdom upon my friends. Um, I thought of my life as boxes that could be checked off, things that I no longer had to worry about. And my MO was then, and still to a certain extent is now, even given all of the work that I've done, is to kind of smooth things out go into your hotel room and organize everything, Yeah, fold things, get the wrinkles out, just kind of make everything as good as it can be in any given moment.
0: Like, you'll literally walk around the set adjusting props and Yeah, you have to be like, there's a union, and also those things were messy for a reason. Yeah,
1: or they're props. <laughs> or they're <laughs> props. Chucking and, things and you're that chucking things set. in the
0: garbage that are props.
1: So my instinct when I first met Marnie was to make everything perfect again. And I remember early on, you and Jenny were like just so you know, this show is going to represent life at least as it is for 99% of people, which is that it just keeps evolving and never is perfect. And there's no such thing as getting it together and a happy ending even for a year or let alone six years It's messy. And that is kind of inherently the way life works.
0: Well, it's interesting because like, I think you and I both had this thing where we thought adulthood was like large periods of happiness punctuated by, you know, somebody dying or yeah. a moment of anxiety. And it's, like, it's sort of a rude awakening when you realize that so much of adulthood is a thousand pains in the ass and tragedies punctuated by brief moments of joy when you get to, like, look at a Mexican sunset or yeah. something. It's sort of like a Tough mutter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, you just, honestly, it's, like, one thing to the next. And, and one of the funny things about playing Marnie is I realized how privileged both Marnie and I am because I have had very few seriously messy or difficult things to work through in my life and so confronted with a character who's inherently messy because she's human I was at I was so confused so you were like Marnie lost her virginity at 13 and I was like that's too young (laughs) (laughs) completely judged her I like slut shamed her and you were like that's how that's how old she was when she lost her virginity I She's a
0: creation of my mind, and that's the right time for her to have lost her virginity. I and remember you saying something like, if I'd known this, I would have played it differently. And yeah. then mind was like, would you have played it with, like, a British accent? Like, I what know. would you have
1: done? Honestly, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But basically, like, I have loved her hard since the moment I met her. And it's been very hard because it's it's been a minute since people loved her, too. And I think last season, season 5, was really important for that because in episode 6 people got to watch her struggle through something, accept her mistakes, and make a big effort to fix them, or not. And there's a reason
0: why all her friends stay around, like, because she's kind, and she's loyal, and she's funny, and she's like, she's not trying to hurt anybody, and she's not trying to get in, she's just doing what's natural to her, and sometimes it's a goddamn shame. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Being so protective of someone, I just want her to be okay all the time, and I also know that she's compassionate. I know that she cares about her friends, and so the idea that she wouldn't be in moments has really hurt. Like there, you know, the time you confronted me about Elijah, I wanted Barney to feel worse. The I've always wanted Marnie to feel guiltier than she does,
0: which um, has worked weirdly because she's having that same inner battle. Shoshana's sort of the only character who hasn't done hideous, shameful things to the rest of her friends. Yes, that's true. She's watched us do it. Because she's watched us do it. But, like, even Jemima, who is, like, not a particularly, like, moralistic, judgmental person in life, she will get upset. Like, she was very upset to play that storyline of Adam. Adam, Because she was like, that's not something friends do. Oh,
1: well, I spent years praying that Marnie didn't fuck Adam. (laughs) That was, like, my only wish. I was like, you know... At least Angry Shosh is funny. Angry Hannah is fucking terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) I do not.
0: Like, please,
1: not Adam. And uh, not because I didn't want to do lovely sex scenes with Adam Driver, but.
0: Here's a question for you. Yeah. Like,. You and I started this, I was 24, you were 22. Yes. You had just gotten out of college. We met in an audition room. Mm -hmm. You famously asked if you could braid my hair during the scene, and I said it's very dirty, and you did it anyway. Yeah, I didn't care. And I remember from that moment, and then the next big friendship moment we had, we knew we wanted to cast you, and I called you, and I was like, tell me how you feel about nudity, and you were like, I'm not going to show my nipples and my butt and my vagina, and I was like, totally hear you. (laughs) And by God, she's kept her promise. But like, sure have. I remember that was a really interesting thing because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be Allison's friend, but I'm also going to be like asking her to do uncomfortable things. And at time being her in quotes, boss, you have done a
1: good job in the service of maintaining the friendship of leaving the more nudging conversations to Jenny or Judd, which is really smart from a like leadership managerial perspective well, I because think it was
0: just like not even an idea i was just like i can't stand there and act with allison and also be the person who's like this doesn't work with your schedule or whatever but the other thing is like so from the beginning i just
1: didn't it was something i just didn't want to do it was something i never wanted to do and it wasn't even something i really had to consider i think for the first couple of years there was probably an expectation that being as intoxicated off of the show as I was I would kind of start to toe the party line and just dip into it a little off. bit yeah exactly and when I didn't I started to experience the well if she's not going to get naked of it all which was how I ended up doubled over a sink <laughs> <laughs> with Evan's face in my butt but honestly honestly I now am such, if I may, such a pro at sex scenes, having had the most sex. You've done more than any of us.
0: We've counted. You've done more than any of us. And considering that you haven't shown your body and the rest of us have gotten naked, you've literally been... Someone wrote on my Instagram yesterday, she's a very brave actor. And I was like, yeah, she is. That's very kind.
1: That's kind of the ultimate compliment. Because as much as I love all those boys, all of Marnie's partners, it's not unawkward and it's not easy and also while having a family that I'm insanely close with and having now a husband especially because today people do not willfully do not separate between characters and the people who play them when they cover it and which is one of the meaner aspects of it because it no, just completely that's just negates the our job. Thing. It's right. like
0: it's like taking away all agency from you. That was the thing that made me the angriest is like I thought that scene and you and I both agreed I creative. loved that scene because it was like such a big character moment for Marnie like she was so free with someone and she was letting them do this insane thing to her body and then to see it covered and like I didn't mind Andy Samberg joking about it at the end. I didn't at all
1: and it was the first thing I saw after getting off the plane from my wedding. I walked into my apartment and turned on the TV and I saw Andy Samberg
0: doing that and I was like what is happening? This but is I think so it's funny. so unfair to the work that you do when people turn it into, like, Allison Williams, you know, spreads her butt for whoever because right. it's, like, completely ignoring the fact that you made, like, a very strong character choice and also decided... Hey, I'm a woman with bodily autonomy, and I feel like this speaks to the journey that my character taking. A hundred
1: percent. I said it before, and I'll say it again now. The economy of storytelling in that moment, it's astounding. It was probably a grand total of 40 seconds long, and you saw how comfortable Marnie was with her body with Desi. You saw the exchange of dialogue, which was, I love this. From Desi and Marnie's reply, I love you too. (laughs) And then you just got to see like a completely different side of someone. And most people's thought processes were like, oh my God, I I wouldn't do that. I can't believe Marnie's doing that. Which is exactly the point. Oh my God, I mean, it's not even a
0: conversation. No. We're going to take a break from one second to bring you a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron. There's lots of reasons to support Blue Apron. One of them is that by doing it, you're supporting our show. And it means so much to be able to bring you the voices of these diverse and interesting feminists. But it's also having an impact on your community. The seafood from Blue Apron is sourced sustainably. They raise their meat humanely. They use regenerative farming practices. And I think we can all agree that at this particular moment in history, it's never been more important to think about our environment when you're deciding what to put into your body. Also, cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. My boyfriend and I have never cooked a meal together. All we do is eat miso soup and cucumber rolls and these little packets of baby food that you can squeeze out like Go-Gurt. I think we're doing okay, but it's been five years and we're not married. Maybe if we use Blue Apron, he would finally put a ring on it. Some of the meals available in January are seared pork chops with farro and cranberry chutney, Spaghetti, squash, and marinara with mushrooms and garlic knots. Spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage and furukake. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash women. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Today's episode is brought to you by Casper, creators of one premium mattress. I spend a shocking amount of time in bed. It's where I do most of my work, it's where I take all of my phone calls, and it's where I congregate with my poodles. So it's really important to me to have a bed that I can feel comfy in. I'm also a night sweater, which is a very specific kind of person to share a bed with. It's not fun and it's not sexy, but it's a fact. I feel like the Casper accommodates all this beautifully. I'm comfortable, I'm secure, And I know that I am working from a surface that has been obsessively engineered for my own comfort. So try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it like I do, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. I've also heard a rumor that the guys who started Casper are like hot young entrepreneurs who are kind of lighting up the scene. That's sort of a fun detail. Free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. The place that everyone wants to send me. Get fifty dollars toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com/lena and using offer code LENA. Terms and conditions apply. You said last night as we were wrapping and you were crying and you were wearing these really cute little girl pajamas that were your costume, you said, you guys are my family. Yes. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about the relationships that you formed on the show because you and I both came in young, having never really worked on a show. But, I mean, you'd been, like, on an episode of American Dreams, I believe. Start by talking about, like, I mean, the four of us even though we're really different and I'd known Jemima and none of you were thrust into a certain kind of attention together that meant like we were going to be sisters whether we liked it or not. Yes
1: and sisters is the best way to put it because it's kind of this like we're brought together by a force outside of us and so in that way that I may never have gone up to Zasha on the sidewalk and been like we look like we're friends. Let's yeah. hang out.
0: Love your head love your knuckle tattoo. Love Would your, your knuckle you like tattoo.
1: I too aspire to knuckle tattooage, but she's my sister, you know, and so it's that kind of thing where we got to go through this incredibly unique circumstance together. We
0: were all like, this is overwhelming. We stuck together like fucking, you know, sticky rice balls at the premieres. Like we were yes. always
1: we were always the most uncomfortable people in the room, which always. is important.
0: But I, and and the other also, thing is, we weren't I fucking each other. Like, we had cute-ass
1: guys on our show. We all had other relationships. Like, Oh my god, none of us ever fucked any of the actors on the show. Never ever, not once. Because I was with Ricky starting right after we shot the pilot.
0: I met Jack a week after the pilot aired. Jemima was married. Jemima was married with um to her had her second child after season 2 and Zasha met Evan like after season 2. After season 2. And yeah. before that she was just like I'm Zasha, I'm really busy like doing my own thing in my dressing room. I'm not going to like go around chasing this. And so yeah. it is an interesting thing because you hear about all these other shows where there was like a weird dressing room affair and yes. ours literally was like all girls summer camp. And, and us the guys borderline were the camp- harassing
1: our crew to hook up with each other because we just desperately wanted to hook up. Someone us.
0: to fucking hook up. Yeah. And but it's true, you're right. Like so many things kept us. We never fought. No one was like, You got this campaign and you're dead yeah. to me. No like, one the, was a diva. We
1: all I think part of that, honestly, was because we grew up around conversations about the business we heard the horror stories about the behavior of actors in my case I had spent time on sets in like position I would have been a PA I'd been a stand-in Allison um, Williams so border wa- boardwalk empires utility stand-in you heard it here hell yes for the pilot it was you know it, it was one, a one of the best experiences of my life <laughs> I'm serious it was we can never formative. top it It was really incredible because the first day I showed up on Girls, as nervous as I was, I knew what everyone did. And I think that was the case for all of us, except maybe Jemima, who still doesn't care, just loves everyone unconditionally, but, like, doesn't... It didn't bother her, but it would have made me very nervous if, you know, the person holding the boom mic, I, like, didn't know that he was going to stand there the whole time. Whatever, there's, like, fundamental pieces of what we do that's kind of in the machinations of it that I already knew from doing the show which I think allowed me to become super close to your earlier point become like family with this crew we do an intimate job with these guys and like you know it's not like we walk on and are like let's find the perp like we fucking open our legs and And they are often downwind of it in a way that the camera can't see and for me downwind is the perfect and most upsetting word because our boom operator is downwind of my vagina 24 hours a day and they can see what the camera can't, and they see us between takes, which is kind of when we revert back into our inner turmoil. Yeah. And they're there for all of it. And, so and there's get...
0: times where Marnie isn't naked to the camera, but she's naked to the crib. Yeah, or the time that my
1: my nipple cover ended up on Alex Karpovsky after a sex scene. That's so a, He was a... covered,
0: and I was not. <laughs> That's one of the worst a, a sex scene nude cover coming off. Is one of the worst things, Ugh. and I mean, we're not going to name names, but there have been people who've been like, "Let's just not wear them," and I've been like, "I literally don't know if you can get chlamydia like this." I
1: it's terrifying, and yet, as an actor, I feel like I have to respect Anyone's their actorly process. process but as well, so far as like, like it includes a penis bumping up against me, I had some
0: dongs bumping up against too. my thigh in a way that like I didn't expect. You never expect your adulthood to involve a flaccid penis lightly dabbing Like just tapping. Thigh. Tap, tap, <laughs> tapping. And being
1: able to tell the relative age of the actor based on how quickly the balls follow after.
0: Oh my god. The momentum of it.
1: This it's is been, one of the most beautiful things you've ever said. That will make you close to someone. Knowing that the boom operators, the camera operators are watching that will also make you close to someone. And yeah.
0: it's... That's and they all want to so keep close. us safe. It's like we have a billion big brothers. Like Tishon would take a bullet for you. I'm He'd pretty take sure. a bullet for you. He'd take... He picked Jemima pregnant up out of a tub that he thought hot electricity was coursing through.
1: It's unbelievable. And they've been here from the beginning because you and the rest of the producers create such an unbelievably harmonious work and atmosphere. It's totally unique. And they come back year after year. And they all were saying that it's part of the... Uh, it helps quell the just panic of daily life knowing that we're coming back to that and back to the show and I think that's what's hardest for everyone people have been coming up to me especially yesterday people just looked at me with tears in their eyes all day and it was devastating because what they're starting to realize because it's coming down to the end is that we don't all get to know that we'll see each other the next okay. summer it's you know. always been so nice just to know not even from a it's... financial standpoint or a work standpoint just knowing that like the peace and calm and Love, and love of coming back to this family has been what's kept a lot of us going through difficult things. People in our crew have gone through divorces. They've gone through t- tough times with their kids. They've gone, they've gone through, through financial losses, things. A lot of losses
0: with parents and yeah. things like that. And they always know that they'll Health come back. Issues, yeah. yeah. Someone asked me the other day, like, who are your best friends? And I literally just, like, thought of you guys in the crew. And then I was like, at first I was like, is this lame for me to say? And then I was like, no, we've been spending all our time together for six years. Why wouldn't you be my best friend? Also
1: at this point, because at this point we're obviously all taking stock. And, like, I cried this morning watching Sherry Hart talk about what it means to be done doing hair on our show. And for Sherry, like, she's made Halloween costume level iconic hairdos yeah and she's been allowed to contribute that to the cultural conversation and the weird time capsule that we've made and for everyone on our crew there's that sense of agency and involvement and feeling like they're part of something special even if it's not giant explosions it's some kind of element of we are trying
0: to encapsulate what it has been like to be alive for these six years in New York City for these four women when you think about this being over, like, something that's really scary for me is, like, there's a part of me that feels a little bit like my psychology got, like, trapped in amber when I was 24, like, that this happened. Yeah. Like, I realized this summer, like, there were a few kind of, like, relationships in my life that I realized were toxic, and I hadn't been able to escape from them because literally at the age the show started, when we started going so hard, when we started, you know, doing press tours and going and going around the world together, that, like, my ability to make smart choices about my real life like all of that went into the show all of that went into our relationships and so I feel a little bit like I'm stepping out into this like unknown world where I'm like do all my friends understand me Yeah. I mean obviously I'm deeply in love with my boyfriend I'm like what does it look like for us to be together when my entire life doesn't revolve around this other thing when I'm home what does it look like for me to have a relationship with my parents as an adult 30 year old woman who isn't constantly going I have to go I'm on set Right. and also I feel as though like Well, Hannah matured my instincts about, like, who to allow into my life. Like, I have to trust that I learned, but, like, I don't always feel like I learned. And I wondered how you feel about that. Because you've done a great job of, like, maintaining and getting a friend group, but is there a part of you that's, like, am I Allison age 22 again?
1: Totally. I think it's been slightly different because, for you, this show is a year-long full-time commitment. For me, it's in my thoughts and in my, like, anxiety about everything, it's a year So for me, it's like, this is my summer camp, although I constantly refer to summer as fall and have for six years because it feels like going back to school. I have been able to maintain relationships just due to having more time, but I don't have any idea what it's going to be like with the emotional space that I now have. I worry I'm going to be a total nightmare because I'm going to have so much more room to just analyze everything around me and look at my life in a new critical way. I could foresee a giant container store outing. (laughs) I can can foresee my poor husband being put on, like, a new exercise regimen. I foresee myself becoming, like, competition-level good at Pilates. (laughs) Like,
0: Like, by the way, if Pilates could be, like, in the Olympics, you would be there. I've been thinking about that. I have a list of, like, things to do in October, and they're like, get 18 new tattoos. Mm -hmm. Like, they're all psychotic and things that... I shouldn't do like, oddly enough. I not like, on my list. <laughs> nope. I was like, I was like, hip hop dance class. I
1: would do that with you, hundred percent. Actually, That's on I'm hundred percent serious because I
0: really, really, really want to get good at hip hop dance. Me too.
1: And never do it publicly because the dance of my people is like slow dancing in a circle. But yeah, no, i just, I'm just not want to trying... be good at it for myself. As Mar, what was Marty's line? My hair, a reflection of my heritage, which is Christian white woman. <laughs> my, uh, I'd
0: like my wedding to reflect my heritage, which is as a Christian white woman. Oh, It's so one of good. my favorite slash. Like that was one of those moments where i was like how do people not get that this is like self-aware like i feel like people will get re- angry and i'm like how could a line like that not be fully self-aware and those are the know. only times they get angry is because i feel like and tell me if you agree like i feel like men in comedy are given the benefit of the doubt all day and I, it's a fucking commentary like constantly if you pulled
1: a quote out of context from any male stand-up show it could end their career and yet we're somehow able to apply context to that in a way that even in a, a narrative television series where people are playing characters we can't seem to be given the same service i always feel really like strange. we've been
0: hated like at tony soprano and what like people like we're like tony soprano and walter white heroes in their own rights and i'm like We're just like nice girls who occasionally are rude to each other and people like despise
1: us. I can't figure it out. I still can't. I think I'm still too close to it to get it. But I think one of the reasons people hate Marnie so much is that she's the follow through of a lot of instincts that they've learned to quell. But the instinct to go to an ex's party that you want to get back and make some kind of big gesture, maybe not singing (laughs) stronger, but making some kind of gesture is one that we can all relate to. The idea of making a plastic dress to fit in and edit with a new artsy boyfriend, because you think that's what his friends are gonna like, is something that we can relate to. The idea of wanting to follow through on a passion and then just following it into a a fucking fiery ditch. crash is also something that we can relate to. And the yeah. idea of being judgmental, the idea of being a little socially weird, those are all things we can relate to, and it just kind of sucks to well, have to like, realize that you have that in you.
0: Well, we all kind of don't want to be the Marnie in the room, and I yes. feel like we all don't want to be the Hannah. In the- I feel like there's a part of us that doesn't want to be the... People want to be the Jessa. 100% in the show. I actually love... I have a lot
1: of love for Hannah because the fact that she's her own blocking agent in so many creative and professional ways is something that I can relate to hard. And I don't know why anyone ever chooses
0: to talk to Hannah for longer than five minutes, but that's just creative license. Um, You made amazing mugs for our crew. Say what your goodbye mug said. I'm a Marnie. It's a bummer. And you only gave them to people who are Marnies. Yeah, you helped me come up with the Which, by the way... I'm a Marnie which is the weirdest detail I'm actually really not a Hannah because I'm so worried all the time about what everybody thinks of me and so worried about everybody's happiness like you know that Nicki Minaj line where she's like in the new Ariana Grande song Mm -hmm. Side to Side my fave where she's like I give zero fucks and I got zero chill in me yep I was like I love that line that's real Hannah shit and I give so many fucks but I also have zero chill is this the biggest goodbye you've ever had to say
1: what a good question Um, yes, because with family members that I've lost, I haven't been able to say goodbye with college or school. I guess at my elementary school was longer, (laughs) but that's how far back I have to go to find a bigger goodbye.
0: Amy Um, Poehler said an amazing thing. I told her we were ending and she said, enjoy every minute of it. It's so rare that we get to choose our goodbyes. It's so true. And it's a real privilege,
1: especially in TV. I was talking to Becky Ann Baker about Freaks and Geeks, and she was saying that Judd had a feeling that it was going to be canceled, so they shot the finale halfway through the season. And so when they were canceled, he already had the finale in the can. But we, didn't, we never worried about that. No, from the At minute. least I didn't. No, like, Maybe I mean, I they did. made it
0: pretty clear to us we were going to get to do this for as long as we wanted. It's interesting because like, you know, we had some some various hoo-hahs this summer that kept us from shooting, and one was that my grandma died. She was ninety-six. I and got a series so... of texts
1: from Lena that were
0: almost hilarious. It was I was like I broke. I was like I sprained my arm. Actually, it's broken. My My grandma's dead. I I have
1: C. diff. (laughs) Going back into the hospital, have to have surgery. Back
0: again. Back again, Going in for more. I was just like, this is crazy. You were amazing. But the thing that was interesting was it was like, I couldn't help but equate my 96-year-old grandma, who had like a fucking amazing life, being surrounded by her three daughters and her four granddaughters, like a goodbye that you that you really get to be there for and connect for. And it was, like, in those last moments of my grandma being alive, it was, like, her breath and the lights outside her window were the only things that existed in the whole world. Yeah. And, like, I couldn't help but feel like it was the same thing that was happening with the show, which was, like, these women, this lineage of women, like, connecting and being allowed to say a goodbye at their own pace. Yeah. And how different that is. But I'll tell you, like, first of all, I think you had... You
1: have an even less complicated, correct me if I'm wrong, relationship with our show than you did your grandmother. That was something. The only shared enemy we have is C. diff and endometriosis as a cast and crew. And as a cast and crew, we have C. diff, endometriosis, and like online men's rights activists. Yeah, and so the fantastic thing is that there's a purity to the love that we feel for each other that's completely uncomplicated. No one makes you feel weird about your weight. No. People just just embrace all of us for everything that we are. It's really parental uncle, aunt, like it's, as you were saying, it's fiercely protective. And that's what makes this so hard. And I'm just gonna give you a little heads up because
0: I have, for the first time in my life, have experienced something you haven't yet. Not true, you've definitely had a wedding that was to beat the band and I was there going, how the hell is she not having a nervous, social nervous breakdown right now? Because I was surrounded by people that loved me.
1: And by the way, I'll happily plan yours, it was, a delight. Please um, do. I'm
0: not kidding. I do make your packing list. And also she does. I was trying to pack for Man Montauk the one week that she wasn't gonna be with us and I had a nervous breakdown. And the best was she made packing lists for Jenny and me and included underwear for Jenny and not for me. Yeah, she knows I, know I don't you. like to wear them. Yeah,
1: I'm not gonna force you. It's, Thank you. You are you are. The um, sensation of wrapping this show is really strange because of the nature of what we do for a living. You're gonna be in a scene that would not be appropriate to weep through. <laughs> Yeah. And so your professionalism and your editing and your mind of the show and all of your titles on the show are going to keep you, and your prowess as an actress are going to keep you in the mindset that is appropriate for that scene. The minute it's over is the weirdest feeling in the world because you go from being... you. That that moment is the last time you're Hannah, which is really weird. And I
0: had this moment with you, and this seems like a place for us to wrap up because it's so was so profound the last moment that I had with Marnie which you'll see as I'm exiting into a house and I turn and I smile at her and I was walking to the house and I turned and I smiled at her and I was like I was smiling at Allison but I was smiling at Marnie and I was like bye Marnie and (laughs) fully cried (laughs) and I was like later It was so devastating that little
1: smile because it was like you
0: know It was like, I know, you know, we know, we love each other. But the thing that's crazy is like, our characters are in love forever in an alternate universe, and then we're in love in this universe. Yeah, but it was really weird. And it was really weird. And I knew you were feeling it too. And it's very rare. Like, the only other times I've ever felt someone feeling something so profoundly, Allison looks beautiful with her eyes all welled up. The only other moment I've ever felt something like, it's like when you're falling in love with someone and you look at them and you both know it, but you haven't said it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It was like... Or when you're breaking up with someone and you both know it and you haven't said it yet. And it was like all of that in one look to Allison. And it was like maybe the most romantic thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, because it was like
1: we will look at each other for years. Many times, countless times. But that was the last time I was going to be looking at you as Hannah, as Marnie.
0: And I was going to be looking at you as Marnie, as Hannah. Yeah. And And then when I closed the door or whatever and went up the stairs, I was just like, oh... She's there and I'm here. And I literally, it was the first time years. I'm like, oh, just get me to the donuts or whatever. And it was the first time I was like, don't call cut. I know. I felt
1: the same way. And Jenny was watching. Ugh. And she was like, Allison can't do this anymore. <laughs> she's like, she's, she's starting to cry. It was not something, again, I'm not a good enough actress to have you pretended this. But it was not something that merited crying. You really are. But it had the benefit of being the last time Hannah and Marty look at each other in the show. Oh, God. And the last, last time, time that we were going to do it as actors, so it was, like, particularly was profound. My crying, talking voice is not great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's and with that... Wrap it up. And with that, we <laughs> sign off. I love you, Allison, forever. I love you. <laughs> Girls returns for its sixth and final season on February 12th. Watch it only on HBO or wherever you pirate your cable. They won't mind if I say that. Thank you again to Blue Apron for sponsoring us today. It means the world to be able to bring these women's voices to you, and Blue Apron is helping us do that. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. I just want to throw in a request, which is that it's always been a dream of mine to visit a test kitchen, and I'm assuming Blue Apron has a test kitchen. So if they would like to fly me and a few friends to the Blue Apron test kitchen to have some fun and shoot some fun Instagram snaps, I'm 100% in. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash women. That's blueapron.com slash women. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Get moving. Thank you again to Casper for sponsoring us today. Your mattresses are making it possible for millions of women. To hear other women talk about things that matter to women, we're grateful. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Free shipping returns to U.S. and Canada, the country where people are convinced I should go unless I want to be sunk into a river with a bag of stones. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com lena and using offer code lena. I have my own offer code because I'm kind of a big deal. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Um, Do you actually really like your Casper? Yeah, I do. It's great. Cool.
0: Oh, I realized you're <laughs> trying to get me not in the middle of an ad endorsing my Casper. I do like it. It's great. Great. The mattress I had before Jack hated, he said it felt like it was full of hay, and he told me it had the worst mattress taste in America, which is like the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me, so...